Self-improvement is when you make an intentional decision to grow. When you max out on your strengths, your talents, your gifts, and your passions, but it's for a very specific stated purpose. It's so that others benefit. Well, hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. Today, we're going to talk about a strategy for personal growth. And I get so excited about this topic because it's both an actionable topic, but also an impactful topic. I'm going to give you some tools today that you can immediately act upon, that you can practice, that you can engage with. But also beyond that, this is one of those arenas that if you do apply it, and if you do act on these practices, well, then I think it's going to have a compounding impact for you personally, but also for your family, for your organization, for your community, for your customers collectively. And so it's through that lens, before we get into the practices associated with the strategy for personal growth that this episode is focused on, I just want to highlight three principles that really undergird why this is a topic that I'm so deeply passionate about as it relates to impact-driven leaders. So I'm going to give you three principles, and we're just going to run through them real quick. Principle number one, there's a difference between self-improvement and selfish improvement. I'm going to say it again. There's a difference between self-improvement and selfish improvement. So let's ask the question, what is selfish improvement? Well, you don't have to look very far. You can see it on Amazon. You can see it on Instagram. Really, you can just look around pop culture today. If you turn on the TV, if you watch the news, if you go on social media, and you can find selfish improvement. What does selfish improvement look like? It looks like me getting better for the sake of me getting better and then making sure all of you know about it total crap. I just hate that stuff, right? And the reason why I hate it is because I think there's this lie that so many of us have been duped by, myself included, that, oh, there's freedom and fulfillment on the other side of selfish improvement. It's right around the corner, and we just haven't found it yet, so we need to chase more fame, we need to chase more fortune, we need to chase more approval, and and we need to constantly build ourselves up in front of others and portray this image that is incredibly unrealistic and outrageously not true, and then maybe one day we'll finally feel full. It's total crap. I just hate it so much. But let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater. That's selfish improvement. What is self-improvement? Well, the difference is motive. Self-improvement is when you make an intentional decision to grow, when you max out on your strengths, your talents, your gifts, and your passions, but it's for a very specific stated purpose. It's so that others benefit. That's in our mission statement, right? We want you to max out. We want you to absolutely optimize the person, the man, the woman, the leader, the father, the mother, the spouse that you were created to be. Why are you doing that though? So that others benefit. It's not so you can get better. It's not so everyone can see how awesome you are. It's so that you are more equipped to serve others. This is directly related to our core value that we state at the end of every podcast episode. Strength is for service, right? Yeah, I think you should become strong. I think people don't really benefit when you're operating from a posture of passive weakness. But why are you becoming strong? Well, you're becoming strong so that you can serve, so that you can spend that strength, so that people can benefit from the overflow of your growth. 
So there's a difference between self-improvement and selfish improvement. And if you're going to apply the practices that we're about to talk about with regard to this strategy for personal growth, I want you to focus on self-improvement. Remember that you're doing these things so that others benefit. That is the motive. Okay, second principle. If you aren't personally growing, there's no way you are effectively leading. Listen to me real quick. People follow people they admire because I think people inherently understand, whether they would state this or not, that you become more like what you follow. And therefore, which leader is someone more likely to follow consistently and sustainably over the long term? The leader that is centered, stable, strong, consistent, dependable, healthy, the leader who has vibrant and thriving and flourishing relationships, the leader who is intentional with their children, the leader that is deliberate with their spouse, the leader that is fun and enjoyable to be around, the leader that clearly loves what they do, the leader that follows a plan that they set out upon, or are they going to follow the leader that is disorganized, disheveled, fragile, feeble, weak, constantly trying to keep up with their relationships, not having a plan and therefore not executing upon it and outrageously and incomprehensibly inconsistent. Now, what I don't want you to feel in me asking that question is shame because that doesn't help us, right? Shame drives us deeper into maybe some of the mistakes that we're already making. What I want us to do is I want us to lift our eyes above all that and just realize, man, I have a responsibility to be personally growing. Why? So that others benefit. And we already talked about this. So that people actually have a vested interest in following me. But what do we so often do? We say, I need to focus on the company. I need to focus on the organization. I need to focus on leading people well. And so I don't have time to personally grow. You, you see how ludicrous that is? I don't have time to make my relationships thrive. I don't have time to spend time with my children. I don't have time to be centered and healthy and stable. I don't have time to create a plan. You think people are going to follow that leader? <laughs> I get a little bit passionate about this because why do I get passionate about this? Well, I've, I've seen myself walk that line of thinking. And yes, whenever I talk about it, we all say, oh, that just sounds so ridiculous. Why would anyone ever do that? I've done it. I've absolutely done it. And it relates to a Jordan Peterson principle. He says, treat yourself as someone you're responsible for helping. Why does he have to say that? Because naturally we don't. Naturally, we say, I'm going to focus on all of the external things, all of the external people. And then once I have time, I'm going to focus on the things that make me personally strong. There will never be time. It will never be convenient. It will never be easy. So what should we do? Well, let's invest in personal growth. Let's become people that are admirable centered, stable, and strong. Let's get our spiritual life together. And I like that as an example, spiritual life, because what does it look like to get your spiritual life together? Well, according to my faith, it doesn't look like you become perfect and then you can go lead people. That's a complete misconception of this principle. It means that you allow yourself to daily be exposed to truth and grace, to have your mind renewed to be soaked in the richness of the blessings that you're currently surrounded with so that you don't get caught up in this cultural whirlwind of a lie that blessing is around the corner and it's not today. So spiritual growth is just one arena where this can take place, but you can also apply those principles financially. You can apply it physically. You can apply it with your family. You can apply it with your community. Which leader are people more likely to follow? The one that has deep-seated friendships, 
and dinners over at their house and has people that they can confide in that aren't at work or the one that's isolated and therefore only talks to people at work about work and outside of that doesn't really have any lasting deep relationships. If you aren't personally growing, there's no way you're effectively leading. Conversely, I'll tell you, the minute you start personally growing, the minute you engage with the five practices we're about to go over, people almost can't help but follow you. I can't tell you how many times I've seen in my own life, but I've also seen in the the people that I get to work with, people on our team, that this funny thing happens that whenever we choose an area to grow and whenever we start making progress and we start taking action, and it may not even be perfect action, but the minute we start taking steps forward, it's so crazy. You know what happens? Well, people start following and they say, man, I love what you're doing. I love that you're taking steps. I love, I admire that you're taking action and I want to be a part of that. And, And they start following. And so if you aren't personally growing, there's no way you're effectively leading. That's the bad news. The good news is that if you want to start effectively leading, just start personally growing. Just choose an area and follow the five practices we're about to go through. Okay, I said this was going to be a quick overview of principles at the beginning, and if I'm not careful, it'll become a sermon. So let's keep going. We said self-improvement is different than selfish improvement. We said if you're not personally growing, there's no way you're effectively leading. Let's do one more. If you want to put your business in order, start by putting yourself in order. We think that our challenge is with managing and leading our business. In reality, the greatest challenge is with managing or leading the man or woman in the mirror. I believe this. If I can get the dude in my mirror to do what I want him to do, it's amazing how easy the business becomes. It's shocking almost. Because for my life personally, what do I call it? Well, I call it habits. I call it routines. I call it rhythms. For our business, what do we call it? We call it systems. We call it processes. We call it operationalizing. And so if I can effectively change myself, well, then I am radically more equipped to lead the change that I want to see in my business. Conversely, if I don't really have a track record for establishing consistency, for establishing dependability, for establishing routines and rhythms in my own personal life, why on earth should I ever expect that I would be able to lead that type of charge for my business? And what's so cool is the principles are exactly the same. This is one of the biggest things that I've learned in the past two years is that every single principle that I learn about personal growth in my own personal life has its corollary within my organization. And I don't think the magnitude of that has set in for most people that truly, like everything that you're doing personally, it has a corollary parallel within your business. And so therefore, if you can get it figured out personally, man, you can blow the lid off things organizationally. So those are the three principles. Self-improvement is different than selfish improvement. If you aren't personally growing, there's no way you're effectively leading. And if you want to put your business in order, start by putting yourself in order. And so hopefully those three principles got you bought in on, okay, this is something worth focusing on. This is something worth engaging in. This is something worth applying intentionality to. And so it's in that context that we're going to walk very quickly through five practices. And there are five practices that I truly believe can accelerate your growth because what these five practices do is they challenge you or facilitate you applying extreme hyper-intentionality to the elements of growth that have already been proven to be true. 
these are not just five practices that I just pulled out of nowhere that I was like, oh, this would be a cool one. Let's write this one. No, these are five practices that I find when I experienced the greatest growth in my life, regardless of the area, I did these things. But then I didn't just do these things and say, okay, I've got experiential evidence. Over the past several months and over the past two years, since growth is literally in the name of our company, I've started to study growth. I've started to read about growth. I've started to read what things say spiritually. I've started to read what things say psychologically. I've started to see what things say from a a scientific perspective. And and it's within that multitude that's called multidimensional analysis that I've started to see some patterns show up. And, And what happens whenever we find a pattern? Well, we've talked about this in previous podcast episodes. If you can find a pattern, you can establish a principle. And so this isn't just some haphazard thing that I put together. I promise you that. These are five practices that if you engage in these five practices with hyper-intentionality, you almost can't help but not grow. But as with most things, it's not about extravagancy. It's about consistency. And so this is not about you hearing this podcast and getting all excited on a Tuesday because you listen to a podcast, so doing these five things on Tuesday and maybe even Wednesday. No, this is about every single day. And I once heard John Maxwell say that every single day messes people up. But you know this, consistency compounds. And so if you can understand these practices, and then if you can apply these practices, And then if you can engage with these practices every single day, you will experience growth. But it's not the things you do occasionally. It's the things you do consistently. And so it's with that that I want us to walk through the five practices as a strategy for personal growth. And you may listen to this podcast and say, well, I think there's different ways to grow personally. I I, I follow a different plan or I engage in a different way. And that's wonderful. My goal is just that you have a plan, that you have a strategy. And if you think my strategy is wrong, but you don't have a strategy, well, I like my strategy a lot better than your strategy. (laughs) So have a strategy. And and I'm going to give you one that I've seen to prove true in my life and in the lives of the leaders that we work with at Path to Growth. Five practices. Number one, identification. So often we live in the realm of generality. And when we live in the realm of generality, we lack one thing. We lack focus. And what do we know to be true? That sustained focus is the price of impact. And so therefore, because we never have any focus of where we're applying our attention and where we actually want to grow, we actually never get to reap a harvest that actually pays off in the long term. And so there's a very simple question associated with identification. Where do you want to grow? Do you want to grow in your leadership? Do you want to grow in your communication? Do you want to grow in your delegation? Do you want to grow spiritually? Do you want to grow financially? Do you want to grow in your health? Do you want to grow within what you eat, right? Do you want to grow in your relationships? Do you want to grow with your family? Do you want to grow in your parenting? Where do you want to grow? So often we create a general vision and as a result, we get general results. We just say, oh, I just want to grow as a person. Really? You're going to grow as a person? Come on. Be specific. Have some audacity. And and why do we not do this? Why do we not become specific? Well, Brene Brown says, you can't have vision without vulnerability. 
The minute you specify what success looks like, where you actually want to grow, what do you also specify? Well, you specify what failure looks like. And you put yourself on the hook for something. And it's hard to be on the hook for something. This is why most people don't do it, right? It's way easier to live off the hook than on the hook. That's a novel idea. But when you never specify what success looks like, then you never specify what failure looks like. This is what Jordan Peterson opened my eyes to. That doesn't mean that you feel successful. In reality, what it actually more typically results in is you feel like you're failing all the time because you don't feel like you're making progress. And some people would say, happiness is progress. Happiness is just being able to take one step forward. Happiness is knowing that you're moving consistently in a common direction. And so, where do you want to grow? But there's another principle associated with this that I think is wise to understand in this identification practice. The specificity of your strategy will never exceed the specificity of your vision. Now, typically when I teach this principle, it's related to creating a strategic plan for your business. But recognize when we say, where do you want to grow? What we're asking to do is we're asking you to paint a picture of a future that doesn't currently exist, right? And we're saying, picture what you could be spiritually. Picture what you could be financially. Picture what you could be as a leader. Picture, picture what you could be in terms of delegation. And out of that, we're creating a vision. Now, the more broad you are with your vision, the more broad your strategy is going to have to be. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just kind of a question of what do you want to do? Do you want to take a shotgun approach to growth or do you want to take a sniper approach to growth, right? Because think about this. If I say I want to be a better leader, okay, broad destination, we're going to have a broad strategy and therefore our results are going to be relatively broad. It's not to say that you can't get results. It's just to say that they're going to be pretty broad, uh, so what what could be a more specific alternative? Well, maybe turn around leadership, right? I want to understand and grow in what it looks like to turn around an organization's culture as a leader. Okay, well, that's a really specific destination. We've now narrowed the concept of leadership into a very specific category, and now we can study that category, right? Let's look at another one, communication. Well, communication is massive, right? One of the things that I teach in our communication team training is everything communicates. And so if everything communicates, then I want to be a better communicator. Well, that's a huge thing because we could break that up. You want to be a better listener. You want to be a better written communicator. You want to be a better public speaker. You want to be a better one-on-one -on -one communicator. You want to be better at leading meetings, right? There's so many things associated with communication. So, so what if we were to be more specific, right? If we said one-on-one -on -one communication or intentional one-on-one -on -one communication, that's really specific. And as a result, because we become specific about the vision, well, then we can become very specific about the strategy, and that will inform the following practices that we talk about. And I will tell you, there's merits to both styles of growth, and I think you need both styles of growth, the broad and the specific at different points in your life, and maybe even both at the same time sometimes, because I think that can be really good for you. It can keep you living. It can keep you excited. It can keep you alive. But what I don't want you to do is bite off so much that you end up not actually growing in anything right? Because be a better leader. Well, that's so huge that it's really, really hard for us to track and measure progress. So I would challenge you, choose something really specific out of this podcast episode. Choose the most specific thing. Maybe it's healthy eating. Maybe it's physical fitness related to cardio, right? Maybe it's healthy eating. 
Maybe it's building a thriving marriage. Maybe it's growing spiritually by reading the Old Testament, right? Be specific about it. Allow yourself to choose something that's manageable because that's a part of identification and that's the first practice. So then from identification, the next practice associated with growth is information. So let's use a really specific example here. Let's say that in the identification practice, we identified that one-on-one communication was the area that we wanted to grow. Now we move on to information. And what is information? Well, information is the fundamental principles and tactics for doing the thing. So what should I do? Well, I should probably read a book, take a course, or join a community on how to interpersonally communicate effectively. Because there's so much information already out there. We live in the age of information, right? And and everything we could ever want to know possibly about one-on-one communication and even some stuff we didn't want to know, we can find if we just have the guts to look for it. And so sometimes we just jump straight into action. And while I think there is a lot of merit to that, and we're going to talk about that some here in just a bit, I think you'd probably be wise just to get some base level information on, okay, what are some of the principles and practices for doing the thing? And this is just what's so cool about the era and the age that we live in. I mean, think about learning for a second. Learning is just so cool because I have the ability to get the combined and condensed knowledge of some of the world's greatest thinkers on a specific topic by just investing 10 hours of my time into reading a book. That should blow our freaking minds. This is why I think sometimes people don't read is because they don't grasp the magnitude and power of the book that's in front of them. Like if you pick up a really good book, and I'm talking about by someone that did their homework, that studied. I'm not talking about those books that are just written as marketing material that someone just threw out there. I'm talking like someone did the work. They spent years condensing the best of what they knew on this specific topic, and they brought it into 200 pages in the most articulate way, and they used examples, and they used case studies, and they focused on how do I get your head wrapped around it, but also how do I get your heart wrapped around it. It's like, man, if you think of a book that way, and if you find that book, read that book. You can't not read that book. And, and, and so we need to understand that information is readily available. We just need to go get it. And, and it starts with identifying, and that's why we did that first. But then once we identify, okay, one-on-one communication, we need to be about the business, about finding some of the best articles, topics, thought leaders, experts on the topic of one-on-one communication. And we need to study. Lots of people stopped studying the day they graduated from college. And some people, if you're like me, you didn't even study in college. So, so that, that doesn't bode too well for us. But, but the cool thing is, is we can start right now and you can start studying. And the cool thing is, is that unlike college was for most of you, you can find things that you're really deeply and profoundly engaged in and interested in right now. And you get to choose. So, so first we need to identify, identification, and then we need the information. What are the base level fundamental principles and tactics? What's the best information that is available on this topic today? And then let's just learn it. But I don't want you to stall out at information because information does not create transformation. Information is a prerequisite and we need to know the base level information as it relates to a topic. That's just being intelligent. But from there, we have to keep going because we have to keep growing. Identification, information, the next step is representation. And so what is representation? This is finding and following someone that embodies the quality you want to cultivate. I'm gonna say it again. The practice of representation is finding and following someone that embodies the quality you want to cultivate. So 
you want to get better at one-on-one communication. So you go read some books on one-on-one communication. In the process of reading some books, you learn some principles. You learn some tactics. You learn what to do, but equally important, you learn what not to do, which is also really, really important. And so now that you've got those principles and those tactics, you've equipped yourself with the ability to start looking around you. And what are you looking for? You're looking for someone that you look up to in this area. And I think sometimes we think we need to find someone that's famous or we think we need to find someone that's a world-class expert. And if you can find a world-class expert on -on one-on-one communication that'll spend time with you, yeah, I mean, go sit down with that person. But man, you could also just find someone that maybe you're in second grade and they're in fifth grade because to a, a second grader, a fifth grader looks like an expert, right? And, and so I'm, I'm talking metaphorically, of course, but just find someone that's a little bit ahead of you. And, and I want you to look at them because the, the principle or the thing that we need to understand associated with this is that if you're a human being, you need to recognize you are an outrageously imitative creature. Truly, there's been studies done that just prove and show that our ability to imitate and our natural proclivity for imitating people we admire is insane. I mean, like, it is one of the ways that we learn as a species and and we constantly adapt and we're constantly keeping our eyes open and we're constantly watching and following people and we're constantly absorbing. Okay, when that person did that with regard to communication, that works out well for them and we can extract the spirit of the thing, embody it in ourselves, play it out in our own circumstances, and it works. (laughs) Like, this is why I get so excited about growth. You realize how crazy that is that you can do that, and it makes me so devastated that so often we just don't. We just don't look around us. We don't ever ask the question, who do I know that is really good at this thing? And I will tell you, that's been my experience in working with leaders. So often I'll ask them, what's an area you want to grow? Is it delegation or is it scaling your business or is it growing as an inspirational leader? And so let's use that last one, growing as an inspirational leader. Well, maybe they identify that as the area that they want to grow. And and maybe they get some information. They listen to some really good podcast episodes and they read some good books, which I would recommend you do. But then I ask them the question, okay, who are the most inspirational leaders that you personally know that you could sit down and have coffee with or have lunch with or ask a bunch of questions from or just go and observe? And they look at me and they say, Alex, I don't know. And it's no wonder why we don't feel like we're an inspirational leader because we don't have a vision of anyone that's acting like an inspirational leader. And so is the reality that they're just not out there and there are no inspirational leaders in your community that you could go follow and learn from and observe? No, I, I refuse to believe that. The issue is that we have not yet opened our eyes to find them and we have not yet initiated the process of pursuing them. We think that these people are gonna fall in our lap. We think that the person who's best at one-on-one communication in our community is just going to show up and ask us for lunch so they can teach us on the topic of one-on-one communication. It never happens. What happens way more routinely and regularly is a deeply intentional person identifies what they want to get better at, gets some information on it, and then they go on a hunt to find the person that's really good about it, and then they follow that person. This is why I think the culture of mentorship and apprenticeship that existed in the ages previous to ours was, I think, just so brilliant. This is why I think if you're a college student that listens to this or a high school student that listens to this, go do as many free internships as you can where you can just add value and observe and learn. 
Why? Because you are stepping into or going with the grain of the universe that says, why is that the case? Well, because you're leveraging human nature, which is to imitate, and you're putting yourself in a position where it's like, man, if I just start acting like the people that I'm around, things are going to go really well for me. And so choose the area you want to grow, get some basic information, and then find people that are really good at it. And you can do a couple things. You can ask them for a lunch or coffee meeting where you show up with a bunch of questions related to one-on-one communication. That could be a really good thing. But here's what I've seen even better is if you can find a way to go observe the person doing the thing that you admire most about them and just take notes, you're going to get so much I will tell you, having the opportunity to observe someone that's better at you doing the thing, it's crazy how much you can learn. And so why is this the case? Why do we need to make sure we're constantly seeking out people that exemplify and represent the areas that we want to grow? Well, I think it's related to a principle we talk about a lot as it relates to leadership. Your effort will never sustainably exceed your belief. And so if we don't have an image of what inspirational leadership looks like, of what exceptionally intentional one-on-one communication looks like, about what turnaround leadership looks like, about what delegating real responsibility and real leadership to people in your organization looks like, if we don't have a living embodied image of that thing, then why on earth would we do the work that it takes to get to a destination? Because we're not even convinced that the destination is possible. And so one of the things that you have to do as a leader is you've got to find evidence that the destination you actually want is possible. And it's crazy. Once you see that, once you see that it's possible, you're like, oh, well, now I can get there. I just have to do X, Y, Z. But if you don't know that it's possible and if there's even a glimmer of doubt in your mind, well, you're likely not going to apply the effort necessary to experience sustained growth. This is why testimonials are such great marketing for weight loss, right? Because what are testimonials? It worked for me. And what happens whenever we see that it worked for them? We say, my gosh, maybe it can work for me too. Amazing how that works. Representation. So identification, information, representation. Now let's move on to practice number four, application. (laughs) You could also just say that this is action. This is doing the thing. And what I want you to understand is that the greatest learning is experiential. And so there's some of you that are listening to this that have an incredible propensity for identifying the area you want to grow, for getting all the information around it. You're a studier. You're a bookworm. You love to read. You love to absorb content. Every time you're in the car, you're listening to audiobooks, and you're just drowning yourself with content on a specific topic. And then you even go find some people that do the thing well. And maybe you find some people in your community or maybe you go to some conferences. And again, you're just drowning yourself in all of the information and all the external examples of the topic. But then you get back home and you never actually did what you learned. You never actually applied. And what we need to understand is that the greatest learning and the greatest growth is experiential. It occurs when you do the thing. Because action precedes insight. You don't learn, and because you learn, you go take action. You take action, and then in the process of taking action, you say, oh my gosh, I just learned something. And so if we don't have a bias towards action, if we don't take the step, if we don't move forward, if we don't aggressively pursue the thing that we want to grow in, what's going to happen? Circumstance is going to wash over us instead of us proactively endeavoring into the future. Instead of being on offense, we're going to live on defense, and defense 
is a horrible posture for growth. And so what would it look like for you to shift your weight from your heels to your toes and for you to say, this is going to be messy. This is going to be mistake ridden. But the good news is I'm just going to take small steps. But golly, I'm going to take some small steps. And I'm going to take small steps fast. And in the process of taking small steps at fast in this very specific area that I've gotten all this information on, well, I'm going to start to learn something. And what's so neat, this is what happens with me, is I can read a bunch of books on delegation and I can get a bunch of great information, right? And then I can even talk to some really, really great delegators as it relates to representation, right? I can talk to people that embody this. And, you know, a lot of times I'll talk to people that have scaled massive companies and then sold them, right? Because they just absolutely excelled at delegation. So I can talk to those people and they serve as representation. And, and I'll learn some principles from both of those areas. But then I'll get into the application stage, and I'll make some mistakes. I'll fumble, I'll falter, I'll fail. And it's in the fumbling and faltering and failing that I'll say, oh yeah, this person told me that that would happen. <laughs> or I'd say, this is just like what I read in that book. And suddenly I absorb it in a brand new way because suddenly it wasn't just information that got to my head. The information bypassed my head, got into my heart, and now it's something that's going to be with me for the rest of my life and leadership. Does that mean I'm going to be perfect? No, I'm not going to be perfect, right? But I'm going to be better. You better believe I'm going to be better. But that type of transformation only comes from the application. So, man, you can start to see the compounding value when we identify what we're going to grow in, when we get the information, when we find the representation, then when we take intentional action in the form of application, well, man, we're going to start growing. And so then what comes after that? Well, the final piece is actually also a piece of our process for operationalizing a business. And many of you have heard that content, but the final piece is evaluation. So, it's really, really good to create a rhythm for consistently evaluating within this area that I'm trying to grow, how does my application compare to the information that I've been reading and learning? So constantly evaluating how you're performing and not being critical on yourself, just making tweaks, just making movements, right? If you ever grew up as an athlete, right? What do athletes do? They, they review game film. And why do they review game film? Because game film is not this opportunity for us to beat ourselves up for all the things we did wrong. It, it's our opportunity to ask some questions of, okay, what do we do wrong? And how can we do less of it? And maybe understand why did we do it? But then also, here's what's really cool about evaluation is one of the maybe even more powerful questions we can ask is, what do we do right? And how can we do more of it? And maybe even why did we do it? And if we can start to understand by just taking a stutter step and evaluating how we delegated, evaluating how that one-on-one -on -one communication went, uh, evaluating how our leadership is going. And if we can say what was good and what was bad, well, then we can start to learn some things. But here's the crucial question that we always challenge our coaches to ask people that we're trying to assist in the arena of growth. We always challenge them to ask, what are the principles that you learned? So as part of evaluation, we want to identify the principles that empowered us to either be successful or that detracted us from the success that we want. 
because we know this to be true. A principle is a statement of truth that transcends circumstance. And so if we can identify the principles associated with the one meeting you had or the one time you delegated or the the one leadership action that you took, if we can say, what are the principles I'm extracting for this? Well, then we can then copy paste those principles to a multitude of other circumstances. And man, we can really learn and we can really grow. And we can start to see how the things that we're learning in these isolated situations apply holistically. And then, man, this is this is how we get into leadership. We can start to teach those principles to other people. And people start to benefit from the overflow of what we are learning through our intentional action. So, three principles for personal growth. There's a difference between self-improvement and selfish improvement. If you aren't personally growing, there's no way you're effectively leading. And if you want to put your business in order, start by putting yourself in order. And it's within that that we've got five practices. Identification. What's the area that you want to grow? Information. What are the fundamental principles and practices for being exceptional in that area? Representation. Find someone to imitate. Find someone to learn from. Find someone to follow and observe. Application. This is doing the thing. It's taking the action. It's moving forward because action precedes insight. And then evaluation. How did our actions compared to the information and representation that we intentionally sought out. How can we do more of the good and less of the bad? (laughs) If you can't tell, I get just a little bit passionate about this topic. And it's because what we say at the end of every podcast episode, I just actually believe that it's true. Strength is for service. And therefore, as a leader, yeah, you should be strong. And you should be growing. And you should be moving forward. And you should be this person that doesn't represent perfection, but maybe represents progress. Progress financially, progress in their health, progress spiritually, progress in the way they use their time, progress in the quality of their relationships, progress in the way they do their job and accomplish the results that have been given to them to steward, progress in their marriage, progress in their leadership. Maybe you should be someone that's progressing forward. And in the process of progressing forward, being this type of person that people are so grateful to be around because they get to live out of the overflow of your strength because you know that that strength is for service. And you know this is related to the mission that we stay at the beginning of every episode. You're stepping into who you're created to be whenever you do that. And the reason why you're doing it is so that others benefit. But then there's even a reason above the reason. And this is what just makes me so motivated It's why I get up every day just so thrilled to lead this business and so grateful for the work that we get to do because, yes, we're helping people grow. Why are we helping people grow? Well, so that others benefit from the overflow of their growth. But what's the reason above the reason? So that God may be glorified. And that's rooted in this belief that the God of the universe, the God that created you, delights when you max out on your gifts and talents and strengths in service of others, and that you are engaging in the ministry of excellence, and you're not taking for granted the blessing that is today. Y'all, I hope you apply this content. I hope you take action and just know that we'd love to hear the stories of what you're doing with what you hear 
Real quick before we go, you know that we send an email every single Wednesday called Worth It Wednesday. That's because I believe most email isn't worth it. So every Wednesday we try to send at least one that is. It's worth your time and worth your energy. We send a principle worth learning, a question worth answering, and a recommendation worth taking. I'm just so grateful that so many of you are part of that email list and are applying that content and those principles. It's just so inspiring to see. So if you want to get on that Worth It Wednesday email list, you can sign up at pathforgrowth.com. Y'all know this. We're rooting for you. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.